Hi, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Nobleman Podcast. We're continuing our tailgate series featuring Gary Freeman. Gary was the National Men's Ministry Coordinator for CareNet Pregnancy Centers, but has recently started his own independent ministry called Major League Dad. Gary lives in Raleigh, North Carolina with his wife and two young daughters. He presented this message at our Danville tailgate in the spring of 2021. Gary reminds us that we can't stand by passively when Satan attacks our family. He steps right into the issue of how more men should engage the battle for the unborn. Brace yourselves for a challenge. And guys, pay attention all the way to the end for an invitation to help us hit the road with our fall tailgate tour. Now, our first guest uh, speaking tonight is Gary Freeman. Gary is a friend that I've gotten to know over the last few years. Gary is from Raleigh. He drove up from Raleigh today. And, uh, his assignment for the last couple of years has been to work with CareNet pregnancy centers across the country in their men's ministry initiatives. Because one of the key issues, the key factors in terms of whether or not a, a girl with a unplanned pregnancy is going to carry it to term is whether or not there is a faithful, interested, invested man in her life. And it doesn't have to be her husband or her boyfriend. It could be a father, it could be an uncle. And so, man, I just love the fact that Gary's been pouring himself into helping to save babies. But he's also been investing in men and, and just churning out kingdom work. Um, he's actually getting ready to start a new ministry called Major League Dad, investing in fathers across the Raleigh area in North Carolina. And so I am happy to have him here. How many of you, any East Carolina fans here? No East Carolina fans? going to be hostile territory, friend. He played football for four years for East Carolina, too, and so uh, he's just a good friend. Gary, come on up and bring a message to these men tonight. Great day. He has brought his big Bible, too. Look at that. Well, good evening. Um, it's really not that big of a Bible. It's just regular size. Um, so um, the way that I would like to roll through this, and first and foremost, it's really good to see so many men actually taking heed to what it is that God has called us to do. Um, I, I, I like to think of, in terms of what Mike was saying, um, about men not, being, not wanting to sing out and things of that nature and the sacred E-word that so many men are scared of called emotions. Um, we have them. I know when I found out Pat Mahomes signed for $500 million, I had emotions about that. So I don't listen to that crap about men don't have emotions. We do. We just pinpoint where we put them. And sadly, especially as husbands in that role, um, sometimes we tuck our emotions away when our, that's probably going to be a problem, huh? Okay. Um, it, sometimes when we think through the role of husband, um, and I've been married for 13 years. I have two beautiful daughters, um, 10 and 4. Um, so pray with me. House full of women. So any guys here who have house full of women, we can join up together and powwow and pray in the trees over there. Um, but I think um, our role is to lead not necessarily in what we get pounded with, um, which is really, really good in terms of, yes, we lead in the word. We lead in leading our families in the word. Um, but we can lead in our emotional stability in our families. That is a possibility. And I feel like some men... That even cringe when they hear that, suck it up. And that's something that I'm big on, not the pun of being big. All right. So 
going to roll through this because I have my huge timer here. I love it. Um, whenever you get a chocolate person in front of people, it could, it could be a long time. Um, but one thing that I uh, grew up in Chesapeake, Virginia, so I'm from Virginia. So 757, born and raised, um, played football there, was blessed to come out in a time where it was really hot. So Mike Vick, Ronald Curry, um, my high school, D Creek High School, we had a lot of guys that went to Virginia Tech. I was the one lone guy that didn't. And I got hate mail, so if you are Virginia Tech personnel, I don't like you. <laughs> no, nah, I'm messing. Um, but um, I was blessed to be able to have the opportunity to play college football, to go ahead and work out with the Jaguars, never made the rosters, played arena football, all that stuff, right? So let's backtrack. Let's go back into my house. Um, I was a PK, pastor's kid, all right? Hated my dad with a passion. Um, he treated me and my mom like crap. I was a pastor. He pastored in the AME Zion denomination, Church of Christ, the Disciples of Christ, Church of God in Christ, all the predominantly black denominations you want. So I'm kind of like a denominational mutt. All right. Understood church, knew how to do church, knew the clicks, knew what to do, knew what to say to keep you off my back. And I never knew Jesus. But I knew church. So what that meant for me in terms of even growing and going on to my life, and now I'm playing Division One football. Um, all my friends were doing certain things. I get to my senior year at ECU. I'm on draft boards thinking I'm about to go to the Bears. All this kind of good stuff. And then, boom, I tear my quad straight up like a sheet of paper. And I don't even have a great story about it. I was literally just running a sprint. It's not like I was wrestling the guy and I was getting – I don't even have that. So sometimes I think about lying and saying that, but that wouldn't be good as a preacher, would it? Um, so I'm running the sprint. I feel it. Go to the trainer. He feels in my leg. And he does this in my thigh. And he said, you have a hole in your thigh, son. I actually, through the grace of God, finished the season with this doohickey they put on my thigh that pumped the fake muscle. Finished the season, fell off every draft board, fell off everything. Agents, everybody just went away. My identity was football, because that's all I knew. But one of the things that was clear to me my senior year also, this is why I love East Carolina. I met the two most important people in my life. I met Jesus and my wife, both in my senior year. So take that, you hokies. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that I really, <laughs> I'm going to leave you all alone, I promise. Um, but one of the things that, that is really key in that, in terms of my growth and Wanting to walk with Christ is I come to Christ and I'm thinking everything's going to be okay now. I'm going to still get to the league, even though I have this hole in my thigh. Still going to have these workouts. Everything's going to be good. Didn't happen. Lord, what are you doing? You're not following the plan, God. It's not going the way it's supposed to go, Lord. That's that. Um, I love Pastor Brian and what you even said over there. It's already stuck. It's, it's one thing to be humble. Was it humble and stupid. You can get by. But if you're humble and arrogant, arrogant is stupid. There you go. I would say I messed it up already. Blame it on football. Um, <laughs> then you're walking in the wrong way, and that's exactly where I was. And put my faith in Jesus. All right? So let's fast forward a bit. So play ball, end up playing arena, all that kind of stuff, have fun with that. Get married, move back to Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm working in mental health. I get to this service at our church that we were attending at the time, and the pastor announces we're going to have 
this service to raise funds for this um, ministry called Gateway. Does anybody remember the Gateway computers? That's what I thought. I was like, why in the world are we raising funds for an old, nasty, dusty computer shop? Like, that's literally what I was thinking. I was still raw, so pray, still pray for me, right? But I came back to the service, and it was actually a pregnancy center. And then I heard the pregnancy center director speak, and she started telling me all these abortion statistics that were right in the area where our church was. And it was disgusting. And something just gripped me. I didn't really know what. So then I go, fast forward some more. I'm working in the youth ministry at the church. One of the mothers came up to me. She was a volunteer at this pregnancy center. She said, they're starting this fatherhood program, and I think you'll be great for it. Okay, whatever. Um, go and interview with the executive director. Men in the pregnancy center world is not necessarily a hot thing. It's not really something that's big talked about when you hear about abortion and all the dumb media coverage that it gets. All right? One of the things that is really important that I've learned, and now that was nine years ago when I entered into that work. Went into the work not knowing what God was doing in my own heart. Went into this work, still went to seminary, graduated from Southeastern, um, went into pastoral work, but I couldn't shake this bug of working in pregnancy centers and in the pro-life world. So, like Mike said, the last couple of years I've been working with this national organization, CareNet, where I get to travel and train centers on how to serve men. Now, here's what's important. All of it is important because it's for the kingdom. But here's what's really important to me. Society has fed us that in this abortion thing, that men aren't needed, that you get in the way, that you're a bumbling idiot, and you're the cause of it. So now is what? Her choice, her decision. When I sit in front of a guy and he's abortion-minded, And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Policy is not what's going on in that room. Just being honest. It's a guy with a story, and he's hurting. And he's probably lashing out. And he has no idea why. And sadly, what he's doing is he's influencing that young lady that's now sitting on a cold table about to make one of the biggest decisions of her life. While he gets to sit usually and play on his phone in the car. So one of the things that really, in terms of the biblical godly design, that I want to share in my last 16 minutes, is Genesis chapter 3, um, familiar to us. Um, I'll just start at verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you should not eat of the of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. He's going after her identity. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And here's the kicker. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. 
Then the eyes of both were open. So what do we know? He was there. So this serpent, this creature, is berating his wife. And he's just chilling. He's just sitting there. He's there. The Bible tells us. She passes this fruit to him. He also eats. I call it the Genesis 3 syndrome. Because a lot of guys, we think, literally, and this is not a knock. We come to church. We do the church thing. Yay. And then we go home and we forget families. We forget investment in our wives. We forget investment in our kids. We forget investment in our communities. Because fatherless statistics speak to killed legacies all throughout the world. That's what that really speaks to. I think sometimes we get so enamored in stats sometimes that we forget what stats represent, which is people, souls that God wants. And what God wants, we should want as believers. Amen. So how hungry are we to go after those souls? So I kind of view it. Sorry, dumb football analogy. But when I'm sitting in front of a guy, I see this guy as I'm about to come out the tunnel. Smoke's going. I hear the music. Ain't no stadium like Dowdy Ficklin in the ECU. Don't care what you Hokies got. Okay, that was the last one, I promise. Last one. But I think of it as this opportunity, like, man, we get a chance to go grab a soul. So when we see in Genesis 3-6 that he was there, that's still really not the issue. You got to go back to chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 16 says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So not only was he sitting there watching his wife get beat up, he knew what was going on. Hmm. In the Greek, that means that sucks. It's a joke. You can laugh. So not only do we have this in terms of he's watching his wife get beat up. Now he knows what to do and he's sitting on it. My challenge to us out here, what and we're, it's no pun because we're sitting. I'm standing so I don't mean anything about this. But what are we sitting on? We say we're active. Great. We come out to Noble Warriors tailgates. Praise the Lord. Do it. Invite more men if it comes back around again. But what are you doing when you fold up your chair and you get in your truck, you get in your car, and you go home? What is your purpose? What is, your, what is driving you? Is it status? Because one of the things that I... Careful how I say this. One of the things that really gets me in terms of being able to like travel and go to all these pregnancy centers and see how... A lot of the women who really, when I start talking about men being served out of the center, it's kind of like they look at me, I got three eyes or something. Like as if men don't have anything to do with the pregnancy. I would say God's design and biblical design has a little something to do with how women get pregnant. You can laugh at that too because that's kind of what people think. That's what society likes to tell us. One is statistically, Lifeway and Karenette did this study about five years ago, and one of the most telling statistics that came out of that was that one in four women 
who had an abortion in this study regularly attended a Christian church. One in four women of every abortion. Now what that also means is that one in four men were involved in an abortion decision. Now here's the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful part. The grace that is in what Jesus has done is not anything that condemns any abortion decision that has been made. There's grace. There's love. There's kindness. And one of the things that hurts me the most is that also in that study was that 72% of those women, and if you want this study, I can send it to you, get my email afterwards. 72% of these women felt like they couldn't come to the church to find healing. Think about that. So, what do we do about it? I'm all for fighting for good policy. All for it. But there's men that are hurting that you look in the eyes every day. And we give them a what's up and we keep moving. And as believers, we have to be hungry about the things that God is hungry for. Yes, I was hungry when I pulled up and smelled that barbecue and it was great. But I want us to be hungry about the things of God. And if we're hungry about the things of God, that means we're hungry about souls. And if we're hungry about souls, that means that we have to personally dig into our playbooks. When you go to camp, you get there for the first two weeks. They give you a, train, they get, they give you a, a playbook. It's all sedity now. They give it to you on an iPad. They give you a playbook full of plays. It's training, training, training time plays. Learn those plays. Get to know them. You go to, you go to meetings. I play center, offensive line. You go to meetings, you learn your calls, you learn all these things. They usually incrementally give it to you over the two weeks of training camp so that you can know what you're doing. So that, for one, you don't go out there and look stupid. And number two, you don't go out there and get your head knocked off. Sadly, I think not too many Christians care too much about their playbook. We're walking this life proclaiming Christ. And don't know the plays. And that starts with us. The pregnancy center that I worked for in Raleigh, North Carolina, before I started my own mission with the Major League Dad stuff, we started a statistic trying to track the women that chose life that came in abortion-minded. 80% of them who literally all the man said was like, hey, sweetheart, we can do this. We can get through this. Let's go. 80% of those women that came in abortion-minded had the baby. So it's not about a man telling her what to do, as society would say. It's a man understanding his influence. And when you understand your influence, it should make you want to do something. So what are we going to do? Now, I'm, I'm gearing this to my work, what I do, in terms of pregnancy center stuff. And I would love for more men to be involved in that. And again, I can give you my information if you want more about that, because there's some great centers that are in the area here. But one of the things that's really important, guys, is that we come to stuff like this and that we leave with an ignited passion to go do something. You have a purpose. You have all that you need in you. 
to go do it. Sometimes we get caught up in camps and we want to get our talking points from camps versus getting our talking points from the playbook. That's one of the things that I loved about football. That's one of the things I loved about playing center. We used to joke, center is the smartest guy on the field. It's a joke. <laughs> um, but, because I had to make calls for my guards, for my tackles, and I played for Skip Holtz, which is one of Lou Holtz's sons, my senior year at ECU, and he ran the whole offense through the center. So I was scared. But I had to make calls even for my quarterback to hear. So there's a lot that's going on. There's 60,000 people yelling and screaming. There's all this stuff going on, but he, that, that, that pressure that's on me is because I was in my playbook. So I'm able to isolate. I'm able to get the distractions out the way. Same thing with us, guys. We want to act like the task is so large to go get more men, to go lead our families, to go lead in the community. It's literally a matter of just saying, I'm going to do it. But the beautiful part is, we don't have to do it in our own strength. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6 tells us. So that should take the pressure off. Whew! There's nothing clever I got to say, nothing clever I got to do. I go get in my word, and I ask God to show me what it is that he's called me to do. Let's get it. So one thing that I would love to leave you with in terms of the thoughts that we have towards ministry, the thoughts that we have towards leading our families and in our communities, let's pull our narratives from the right playbook. So we're not pulling from our favorite pundit. We're not pulling from our favorite party. We're not pulling from our favorite thoughts of who writes the best blogs. That stuff is good information, whatever. But if you know that more than you know this, you got a problem. And I feel like if we know this more than we know that, we'll see true transformation. We're, we'll see communities transform when you see men get hungry about the word of God. And there's nobody that I can pass wherever I go, gas station, grocery store, I don't care. If the Holy Spirit pulls me to him, I got to say it. I don't care how tired I am. I don't care how annoyed I am. If the Lord wants to use me, here am I. So who's willing? Rhetorical question, but I want us to think about it. Who's willing to really go? Last thing. Man, I'm doing good. It's three minutes. Um, last thing that I want to share in terms of thinking through this and what Scripture shows us and what I'm appreciative of what being in this line of work has shown me because in doing this type of work and also I've been in pastoral positions and things of that nature, I've been able to see how both worlds can collide and get on each other's nerves. So if the paraministry comes into the church and the pastor just doesn't have time, I used to get angry until I became a pastor. And then I was like, oh boy, I wasn't ready for that part. So that I used to have a softer heart towards if the paraministry came. 
And I say that because I've known Mike Young for a couple years now. We've sat down and we've eaten a lot of stuff. But I love his heart and what he's doing. And my prayer as I pray for Mike and as I pray for Noble Warriors is that parking lots are full. And the pastors see the investment of what's happening. Now, I'm going to be real with you. I'm from Chesapeake, you know, so I'm more like a Virginia Beach kind of guy. I'm more a city, you know, give me streets and buildings and people. I don't, I, I, I just give me that. So when he's, you know, talking about the tailgate and how beat up it is and all that kind of stuff, it's like, man, this is so good. The imagery for me is so good because that's something that I really think through even in my own life, but I know that we can all think through in our own lives. So the things of God, we have to love, which means we have to love people. And it's not hard. I'm not saying go out here and just start knocking on every door. Start by going home and loving them very well who's ever in your home. Let's just start there. I ask this question all the time. One minute is in red. The way I know how a guy's growing, if he's married, I talk to his wife. That's all I need to know. I'll go talk to her. And I'll, I usually, it takes me three or four times, but I got to get to her to really tell me. And if he's really just, you know what, he's trying, praise the Lord. Man, the angels are singing. Because remember, you can learn how to do the church things and not even know Jesus. It's possible. That's what I don't want for us. So I, lo- I love you. I know I kind of came off a little harsh. So what? I'm an offensive lineman. So what do we do? We beat people up. Now I'm messing. Um, but I thank y'all for this time. And if we could, real quick, could I pray, Mike? And then I'll get out of the way um, for the rest of the time. But let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this opportunity that we have. God, I thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to gather tonight. Lord, I pray for each soul that is here, Lord, that we do not take these times for granted, Father. But God, that we thank you for the grace and the mercy that you've shown us. God, for those who know you, God, for those who feel like they've been disconnected, God, I pray that they can know that they've always been connected and that they can get back and jump back in the saddle and go and get to work with you. So, God, I pray that men are confident in their purpose. They're confident in the influence that they have, God, as we lead and we guide. So would you please be with us, Lord? Guide us, protect us, and we'll be sure to give your name all the glory, honor, and praise. And we pray all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So men, do you ever fall victim to the Genesis 3 syndrome that Gary talked about? Are you ready to step up and lead your home and family? You know, Jesus is available and ready to walk with you to conquer all those challenges. Check out the show notes for more information and connections with Gary, CareNet, and Major League Dad. Also, check out noblewarriors.org for updates on our fall tailgate tour. We're hitting the road again to connect with guys across the state. We want to point them to Jesus and encourage them to launch small groups. You can help us connect the dots. We're, we're asking friends to help us pay it forward by making a donation to help offset tailgate expenses. It costs about $1,000 to put on a tailgate. And we'd love to go into the fall with all those expenses covered so all income from the fall tailgates can help us serve churches beyond those events. 
Will you be part of helping us hit the road to connect men? Visit noblewarriors.org slash connect the dots. That's noblewarriors.org slash connect the dots to help us connect the tailgate dots. God bless you, men.